Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Everyday Reframe. This is your host, Jack Cole. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast up to this point. And for our fourth installment today, we will speak to a gentleman by the name of Mr. Bill Knopf. Bill is a lifelong horse racing fan and now a racetrack executive who talks about betting on himself and finding his own path to staying involved with what he loves. Bill's reframe story is one that exposed him to the lessons of getting out of his comfort zone to both try, learn, and arrive at experiences that are worth the trip. Bill is also a person that I know personally. He lives in my town and I first came to know him through our local basketball organization, which he had been the president of and which I am taking over for this year. And we'll talk a little bit about that in the podcast, which I think dovetails nicely into some of his other experiences related to his profession. So with that, I hope you enjoy the podcast and I'll talk to you on the flip side. Okay, I'm here with Bill Knopf. Bill is a racetrack executive. I'll let him jump into his official title. Um, but uh, yeah, I've known Bill for a number of years and uh, just thought it would be a, a really interesting opportunity to talk to somebody that has a, um, a profession that I know nothing about uh, or I didn't know anything about until about a year ago when my team and I came here to help uh, re-envision and redesign uh, his uh, racetrack website, which is Mammoth uh, Racetrack, based in West Long Branch, New Jersey, I believe it is. Oceanport. Oceanport, New Jersey. Sorry about that. Um, so, Bill, uh, welcome to the podcast. And uh, I, I think I'd like to just start off, just uh, maybe tell a little bit about yourself, your background, history, etc. Sure. No, thanks for having me. Uh, so, I'm currently the vice president of business operations here at Monmouth Park. Uh, I grew up in upstate New York, outside the Albany area, and got hooked. Uh, on Saratoga racetrack growing up and that's where my my love of horse racing came from my family took me there all the time and just as a fan didn't uh, didn't own horses didn't uh, get on the backside at all Um, but just as a pure fan of the sport I just loved it and uh, I eventually went to college out in Tufts University I got a BA in political science and classical archaeology two things I do nothing with right now (laughs) but I loved I loved taking those classes but after after Tufts I realized I wanted to go into horse racing and I had to figure out how to do that and uh, I ended up moving out to Arizona where the University of Arizona had a racetrack industry program out there on the management side and I enrolled there and got a a second BS in racetrack management and uh, from there, I just uh, I ended up looking for jobs in the racing industry, and uh, fortunately, I landed at Monmouth Park for my first job 21 years ago, and now I've been here ever since. Wow! Yeah, so. and that's amazing. It, it again, this is a, a horse racing is something that I'm not that familiar with, or I uh, previously hadn't been that familiar with, um, but just you know, kind of knowing where where you came from, and um, you know, going out to Arizona, that explains why. Uh, and we have a mutual love and affinity for basketball. He's, uh, Bill's always wearing Arizona Wildcats gear, um, so um, yeah, that's that's terrific. And um, I guess uh, in terms of uh, how you got started, where you know what were some of the roles that you were you know kind of involved with at, at first? So on the in the racetrack, man, I didn't actually know when I started off e- even what I wanted to be. I knew I knew 
horses ran in circles and I knew gambling happened on it. And that was it. That was the extent of my knowledge yeah. of horse racing. And I enjoyed watching both and gambling on them. So yeah. uh, when I went to the racetrack management program, they really exposed us to a lot of different types of jobs that at the racetrack. Everything from being a horse trainer, being a vet, being somebody who manages the money, being on the marketing side, being yeah. on the, the actual executive side. And I started out on the on the marketing side as a marketing coordinator, and I I really enjoyed the notion that I could bring people to the racetrack with a promotion or with advertising. Who, especially people who have never been to the racetrack, that's probably one of the the greatest thrills I get in my current you know job that I've always had is bringing somebody to Monmouth Park who's never been here before and just seeing the reaction yeah. and and seeing the awe of the you know the monstrosity of this building and how how big the racetrack is and how fast the horses are going and how colorful it is and that 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 was my my focus of the you know probably the the, the part I enjoyed the most um, as I've been here now my job has evolved in the money side and the business side, which I thoroughly enjoy now as well, maybe being a little more of a corporate side, but I still love getting out and going to the picnic area and seeing people out there. Yeah. So yeah, and it just uh, you know, case in point, I, I think I'm a converted person from that. And uh, about a year ago, when we first started on the project, uh, you know, Bill and I are trying to organize the design thinking workshop to kick off the project and. You know, Bill said, no, I'd like to take you on a tour. I said, you know, I, I, that's okay. And, and no, but he was very, you know, persistent. And I will say that, uh, you know, he's number one, an excellent host. And uh, number two, this facility is amazing. Um, and I, I, you know, talk about kind of the idea of reframe, uh, my perception of, of racing and then walking through, um, you know, the building and around the racetrack. And uh, you talk about, you know, that you didn't apply any archeology span uh, skills, but, um, <laughs> you know, there's some real history here that is, uh, you know, quite, you know, breathtaking. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you apologized about it being the winter time, but even in, in January, February, it was quite impressive. Um, so yeah, it, it, yeah, I'm glad to hear that it's something that you continue to do uh, to this day. Um, so in terms of, you know, maybe we'll get into this a little bit more, but uh, you know, the racing industry obviously um, has changed during your, the 20 plus years that you've been involved. And, um, you know, I was just curious in terms of, you know, from the perspective of Reframe, you know, how you've been able to, you know, continue to bring people to the racetrack with uh, different promotions and different things to do now. Yeah. Well, it's it's changed a lot. Um, and and ra racetrack and the racing in general kind of goes along with the rest of the world, which yeah. technology is advancing and and mobile. People are on their phones all the time. Well, the same is in the racing business. Uh, I would say, whereas 20 years ago when I started, 80% of wagering on horse racing occurred um, at the track and maybe 20% on a computer, not even a phone at that point. Mm -hmm. If you ask me that question today, I would probably say of the country, 80% occurs on a phone and 20% occurs yeah. at a racetrack. Yeah. And so so that balance um, is constantly, we're, we're, we're rethinking that balance all the time. And how, and we have this gorgeous facility, as I said, so how do we continue to get people out here? And it is coming up with new promotions, whether it's food festivals or car shows or an Irish festival or a handicapping contest and even drawing the guys who may typically bet on their phone all the time how do we get them out to our facility and and we just feel that there's a bond when you can come to a facility like this it's it's similar to a sporting event yes you can watch Arizona you know play 
on TV all the time, but it's just a different atmosphere when you still go to the game. It's electric and you feel part of the action, and that's how racing is. And we are constantly rethinking that balance of, yes, we still, if somebody's not going to come off of their couch, we want them to look at Monmouth on the television and bet on the phone. However, if they are going to go out and there's a choice to be made, where do I go? We want them to, to try to come here. Yeah, and, and the, the thing that it, uh, jumps out at me with, uh, you know, the, the, the ways that you get people interested and, in, you know, obviously embracing technology, it goes back to what you had talked about, walking the grounds, you know, speaking to the people, um, getting an understanding of where the market is going, what people are interested in. Um, it sounds like you, you kind of use that learning and that understanding to then, you know, apply your own creative thinking um, to different promotions and opportunities to make the best experience possible. Uh, because you know in your heart that this is a good, uh, a great place to come. Um, but how do we get it out there, right? Yeah, yeah. Once they're here, we're very confident they're going to enjoy yeah. it and really love the experience of it. But as you said, it's getting them on site. That's the tricky part. Yeah. And we have to communicate them primarily now through electronic yeah. means, whether it's social media or advertising or just connecting. And uh, ironically, still, the, the number one answer we always get when we talk to our customers is, how did you get here? Someone brought me. Yeah. That's still the number one. Yeah. Well, uh, I can I can attest to that. Um, in terms of uh, just you know, kind of in that light, um, you know, what would be a, a you know a challenge that you've experienced either here at the racetrack or even in your own life that um, that you've been confronted with and then had to kind of apply your own kind of reframing uh, mindset to? Yeah, I think one of the probably one of the biggest challenges was actually breaking into this industry. Um, that that was difficult for me because, as I said prior, that I, I had no contacts, no experience at all. And so I, I would say that the challenge was how do I get into an industry with zero experience? And I had to figure out a path to do that. And I, go, moving to Arizona <clears throat> was probably a, a three-month-long battle with my parents after mm. I got out of Tufts with with, you know, they wanted, not that they wanted me to become a lawyer or anything, but they wanted me to go into maybe a little more of a secure profession. Something more traditional, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I just didn't want that experience. Yeah. And um, I fortunately had my now current wife uh, at the time uh, agree to move to Arizona. And and that that was just a rethinking. No, you know, coming, going to Arizona, it was a very small program, even though it had been around for a while. And, uh, you know, going to Arizona and learning something that I, I really had, those classes were very different to me. Um, I'll never forget the first class I took was uh, horse anatomy. And, and I, I failed badly. Yeah. I mean, I, I got a 40 <laughs> and I, I felt, you know, I was coming out of a pretty high academic institution in yeah. Tufts and I was like, oh, I'm going to ace these classes. Yeah. And I just got demolished. And wow. I really, at that moment, I really had to... Um, take a step back and talk to the teachers and actually talk to a lot of the students and and you know sort of I ended up learning you know where I fit in and yes it, anatomy wasn't my strongest suit but I, I actually ended up doing very well in that class so yeah. um, and I think that paved the way for me where to end up in the racing industry and yeah so so that's that's really a couple of things that jump out at me related to that number one you know kind of the idea of reframe uh, you physically had to move yourself to a place where um, you know where you could kind of start to kind of find your own path, um, and then when you're actually in the program, uh, you know you, it sounds like you had a you know a history of, of success academically, you know coming f again from Tufts, um, but then putting yourself into totally foreign environment, failing, and then it kind of be making you kind of like rethink 
you know, what you were doing, talking to people, um, that's one, you know, it, it kind of puts you in a, in a position where you started to kind of understand, like, where, where do I fit in here? Yeah, no, it, it absolutely did. And I, I think the students and the teachers in that program were, were probably some of the more influential ones that helped me get on this path. And, you know, they, they didn't let me get too down because I didn't know what grains the horse was supposed to eat or, right. you know, what, what the fetlock bone was. And, and eventually, they were very hands-on we would go out to horse farms and they would show me the grains and they would you know I, I could touch the horse and and really like get up close and and that that really cleared it up for me a lot more yeah. and, and helped me in maybe some of those areas well, that's great um in terms of um you know we talk a little bit about you know uh, in terms of be being creative and uh, applying a creative mindset uh, a lot of times you have to kind of be in your best self and I'm just curious in terms of what, how would you describe that for yourself, um, you know, again, either personally or professionally? Yeah, I think, I think it's similar probably professionally and personally. Is I always try to keep an open mind. Um, I think what happens maybe more on the professional side is you can really sometimes get buried in the details mm -hmm. in, in at least this job you know, that I can speak of. And a, a lot of times you have to take a step back because it's a, it's a big track, it's a big world, and, and you have to constantly um, you know, open yourself up to the bigger picture and, and just, you know, okay, not, maybe not worry as much about the details. And when I feel like I'm in, always in a really good place when I'm um, managing my time properly and whether it's okay yes I still need to get stuff done maybe on a paperwork or clerical side but I also have the time to go out and talk to people um, and go and talk to other industry people and I always feel I always feel refreshed when I talk to um, you know if it's industry people or an expert or maybe we do a, a research poll or you know like with our project that we did with the website I, I you always feel really good coming out of those conversations yeah now it's a it, it I can't agree more um, you know just again as a designer and you know Bill and I off mic we're just talking about the idea of that you know the, again a creative person doesn't necessarily have to be quote-unquote an artist or a designer to have creative ideas um, and you know there's a there's a acronym that um, I've used for a number of years. I've stolen it from somebody else and I can't even give them credit right now, but it, it was Goob, G-O-O-B, get out of the building. Um, and, you know, in your case, that definitely seems like that's the... 100% you know, correct. There's obviously always more work to do, uh, desk work and things, but uh, getting out of the building and, and being able to interface with, uh, you know, people in different racetracks. Um, I know just in speaking with you, you do some talks um, now uh, yep. because of, you know, where the industry is going and where the opportunities are. I'm sure that get, gives you, um, you know, better insight into how to run this uh, this great place right absolutely yep now yeah. I, I i like to get out and now sports betting has been talked about and so i've been going and talking to other other racetracks on that but um you, you can learn something from everybody yeah that's terrific uh alternatively and i'm just curious about this uh you know what you know what's the opposite how do people uh kind of put you in uh or how do you find um get yourself into a shadow mode and how do you work yourself out of that um if not being in your best self yeah, I, you know, sometimes uh, that's a good question. I, I I try to stay out of that, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, but 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 sometimes, um, you know, in horse racing, uh, you know, it, we are dealing with live animals, and and sometimes, you know, there was a stretch last year where there was a lot of bad press in the yeah. horse industry. Yeah. So, I I would say that you know there 
there's a, even though it didn't happen at our racetrack, that that place was sort of a negative mindset. You know, where a lot of us actually questioned, you know, okay, what's what's going on in the horse industry? But then, um, you know, we what we did here was really talk, going back and talk to outside people, talk to experts. Let's go out and talk to veterinarians and make sure we're doing the right things. And and what ended up happening, at least for me, is, you know, you, you, you read a lot of articles and talk to a lot of people outside of our inner circle who are experts in whatever, nutrition or track management or vets, and, and they provide the, the answers that, you know, are reassuring. And, and I think, um, you know, for me personally, you know, I, I try not to stay in that mindset of, you know, like you said, a dark place uh, very often. Yeah. I'm usually a pretty upbeat type of guy. So, yeah. um, you know, fortunately, I, I, I don't see that, you know, too often. But yeah, and, and I can definitely see that, right? So, you know, de- definitely there's some, there had been some bad press. You can easily yeah. go on the defensive and, and kind of, you know, kind of spiral off of that negativity, uh, which isn't necessarily uh, productive, both for you and, and the organization or for, uh, you know, people to kind of change their own mindsets around this, um, you know, uh, following a good path for, in terms of being ethical, doing your homework, um, sounds like a great, uh, a great right. solution to that. You got to present the positives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, in terms of uh, motivators in your life, um, you know, what has been an important motivator in life? And this doesn't necessarily always have to be a person. It could be a place or an event, but, you know, to figured I'd keep it open. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've talked about Arizona um, earlier as that was a, a challenge. I actually probably for a place I would put Tufts as, as one of the biggest motivators because I, I came from a fairly sheltered background. Um, you know, I went to a high school. I went to a military, all-boys mm. military school. So... Um, I, when I ended up going to, to Tufts, which is just outside of Boston, you got a big city that was really, the, I mean, all, I grew up in a suburb of Albany, so um, I had a big city there, and, and Tufts was a fairly liberal institution, and still is, and that, I think it was wonderful that that, I think, influenced a lot of my now thought process and just treating the world as a much bigger place than my little microcosm. Right. I ended up living... Um, with seven other guys my junior and senior year in a house and you know one was from Tunisia and one was from Sweden and and the others were all across the United States and I think that really um, changed uh, a lot of the way I thought you know I I became I guess much more worldly thinking and you know it's much bigger place out there and 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 I loved it and I just you know was open to a lot more um, you know, a lot more thoughts, you know, whatever it was. Academics, yes, um, but also socially. Yeah. it's. Uh, I, uh, I think I might have mentioned this to you, Bill, but uh, Mona Patel, who was um, my former CEO and still current friend, she's a Tufts tough grad as well. Right. And uh, when we were about to start on the Mammoth Park project, she was very excited when I told her uh, <laughs> that you guys both went to the same institution. Interestingly enough, uh, t- talking about backgrounds, um, you, know, you guys couldn't be any more different. Um, but uh, I definitely see some similarities in terms of mindset and approach. So that's that's really great. Yeah. Um, I, I think, um, well, number one, I guess some side things, just uh, both you and I are involved with uh, locally in a basketball program. And uh, just wondering, you know, how that has contributed to, um, you, you know, you're just kind of overall kind of approach to reframe or things like that. 
And I, I'm asking this because I'm taking over the program. And <laughs> <laughs> so this is more help for me than it is for anybody else. But yeah. <laughs> no, I think, you know, when I started, I started coaching and, uh, and you coach your daughter yeah. and, um, and that's such a, I, I think it's, it's a wonderful experience. That's one of those, I think if you ask anybody who's coached one of their kids, I would do it again. You're, you're happy you did it and you're happy it's over. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a tough thing to do, but um, I, I think going down that path and just dealing now though with um, with the parents and then eventually taking over the league, I, you feel in that position, it's a really great sense of community. Um, yeah. You really, I, I felt, and I'm, I'm sure you will as well, that in that role, you feel like you really can do a lot of good. Yeah. And, and you know, in, in our positions, you're part of the community, you're changing the community, you're affecting a lot of kids, and, and you want to make it the best possible environment for them. And, and I think you'll do a great job at it, and the person before me did a great job at it, and I think it's, it's that mentality that um, you're always willing to talk to people, you're always willing to change. Mm-hmm. It's, it, can't, you know, it can't be the same organization that it was 20 years ago, it's just you know, things have changed. And, and fortunately in our town, as you know, it's, you know, people are getting more into basketball and, you know, and it's expanding and you have to adjust. And, but um, it's, it's a wonderful sense of being a part of that community and seeing those people and it's, um, it, it's very rewarding. Yeah, I can't agree more and it's uh, funny because of the fact that, um, you know, I started small with just, uh, you know, coaching my one daughter uh, and then uh, it's kind of expanded over over the time. And um, I, I would agree. Yeah. I, I mean, it's becoming much more of a bigger thing for me personally. Um, and I am definitely at that stage with my older daughter in terms of I'm done coaching her. Um, I don't think uh, it, it benefits her anymore. Right. Uh, I have a younger daughter that I'm still interested in helping out. Uh, but the, the bigger picture of the community and helping, um, you know, kind of use this, using this as a vehicle to uh, be a common bond so that there is a sense of place and identity, um, you know, helping instill some values and, and uh, work ethic uh, concepts that um, that I'm sure that you gathered when you know when you were uh, younger, and as 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 I had as well, um, are things that just from a you know kind of giving back perspective, and then also you know passing along some of this kind of creative thinking, even in the basketball realm, is something that uh, I'm excited to uh, to kind of take the mantle from from you and uh, and move forward with. Happy to hand it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you are. <laughs> um, you know, Bill, I, I truly appreciate the time. And, uh, you know, in closing, I uh, wanted to see if there was, you've already kind of bestowed quite a bit of uh, insight and, and advice, but I'm wondering if there's anything uh, else from an advice perspective that you would want to, um, you know, pass along that helps people kind of, um, you know, point them towards a goal and, you know, uh, a, you know achievement. Yeah, this may, this may sound a little cliche, but in our world, it's okay to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay to try things and fail and, you know, try new promotions. And if they don't work, it's okay. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll move on. And um, the other thing that I've, I I see here a lot is we have a lot of young people that work here. And it, and it's great to be around them. And, and it's okay to start small and work your way up. Mm-hmm. But a lot of, sometimes I, I get the feeling that the new generations just want to jump into a role that you know, maybe somebody, you know, get, get some experience first. And, um, so, but 
they may be a little cliche, but we see that firsthand, in, at least in our industry. Now, I'm, I'm all for cliches because, uh, at least in that sense, uh, I think it's been proven that there's, the journey is worth it yep. um, you know, to kind of start small, uh, kind of uh, you know, learn along the way. And then, uh, and then start moving forward towards yep. the bigger, bigger picture items. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, Bill, thanks again. Um, I'm just. Uh, where can we find you? How, how, how can people reach out? Yeah, you can uh, always call Monmouth Park. Uh, you know, we've got a main line here, or go to our website, or send an email in, yeah. and uh, I'm I'm always here and always available. Yeah, thank you again. And uh, once again, you know, central New Jersey here, uh, Monmouth Park Racetrack, it's really an amazing place. And uh, there is a through line here that, uh, you know, both Bill and I know, uh, Brett Bullock from Screaming Hill Farms, and he was instrumental in bringing over some of their beer here. So now you can kind of right. get the best of both worlds, That's right. uh, in, enjoy a beer and watch the horses. So uh, or go to the Irish Festival, which is something <laughs> that I'm a fan of. Uh, well, thank you very much, Bill. And uh, you know, we appreciate you jo joining the program. Thanks, Jack. Thank you. So there's Bill Knopf. Bill is definitely one of the good guys that I've known in my lifetime. He does so many different things, both within his community in the racetrack space, as well as here in where we live in central New Jersey. Bill, I, a couple things that he mentioned that I, I really think are, are important is you know that, that idea of starting small, not having grandiose expectations when you're coming out of the gate. Uh, no pun on, on the racetrack uh, concept there, but you know, the idea of starting small, not afraid to try different things, especially when you're early in your lifetime or career, is a great lesson to learn. I think the other thing of him just starting within that, you know, what he described as a sheltered life and uh, upbringing, and then constantly trying to uh, open up his horizons, you know, uh, being spurred to reframe through where he lived and his locations, uh, I think were great preparations for him as he moved into this racetrack space um, which is an industry as he mentioned that has run into some some troubles as of late and uh, he's been forced to within that space find new ways to make it interesting um, still cater to the to the hardcore fans while introducing um, you know different activities and events that are family friendly or in, of interest to a wider audience to make that still a viable place and it is, it's such a, you know, the, the location itself is so grandiose that it really deserves to have, you know, visitors come, uh, especially in the, the warmer months. So again, I thank Bill for the time and, and for the lessons that he, he uh, passed along, particularly around creative thinking, optimism, and just the overall idea of being willing to reframe and fail along the way to learn from that. So thank you again for your time, for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.